was nice. Uh, I'm not Justin, just so you all know. Uh, my name is Bill. I just want to welcome you out today. Justin and I uh, go way back. We've worked at different churches and organizations together. Uh, been here before, uh, probably three or four times speaking, and really excited today, specifically in the middle of this wiring series, to come in and talk for a little bit about, uh, about personality and wiring and unique gifting and all those things. How many of you were here last week uh, for week one? All right, I see that hand. Awesome. If you missed it and you want to go back and listen to it, the website, uh, Apple Podcasts, all those things. One of the things about me when I get to teach is I taught for a long time middle school and high school students. Uh, I know adults are different, quote unquote. They want to be different. Uh, but I love interaction. I love the, the idea of interacting during the environment. We're going to do a few things today that might stretch you just a little bit in a, in a church environment. But just give me, if you were here last week, give me a word or a phrase that you remember from, uh, from Justin's message last week. He's not in here, is he? That would be bad. Nope. Anybody? Wiring. Wiring. That's good. See, you copied. I like that. It's like context clues. You get like gold star back there. Uh, I think Justin last week talked on 1 Corinthians. He talked about how the body of Christ uh, is one body, many parts. And he, talk, he focused in on the body aspect of that. Today, I want to talk about you personally uh, and the way you're wired and made. But just a little bit about me real quick. I want to show you, hey, that's me in the middle there with my hat sideways. So on the left, that's my daughter, Irena. She's 14 and 5'11 and um, hates basketball and volleyball. So there went my checking account in college, but I was hoping. Uh, my wife, Jamie, right there. Jonathan, our four-year-old, just turned four a few days ago. And my 17-year-old, Karma, all the way there on, on the right. That's my family. So I have, uh, when I think about talking about personality and wiring and people and uniqueness, um, I live in my home with four other people and a 15-year-old dashhound named Gabby. So I have a few things going on in my home. And the thing about my home is everybody is just a little bit different. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, so these are my kids. This is my wife. Um, I personally, I worked in local church ministry for a long time, worked in a church one time in a double wide trailer, and we put really nice carpeting down and had a great time, all the way through working with Justin at Northridge and a few different churches. Now uh, I work with an organization called Sequel. Uh, we've been here a few times for some different events, and our whole mission as an organization is to help people slow down and listen to Jesus. And so uh, that's a fun part of it. But my day job, funny enough, when we talk about this idea of wiring, uh, my day job is I'm a, a business coach, a business strategist, executive coach, whatever you call it. I talk to my mom sometimes, and she seriously thinks I still coach baseball. Like, I'm like, no, mom, it's people, like, like companies. And she's like, well, do you, are you still coaching? And I, that's a whole different conversation. So, but I get to work in companies all the way from nonprofits and startups up to financial institutions with a billion in assets. So work all along that, that framework. And my goal in that is not to just help people make money or help businesses run smoothly. My goal is, is really one thing, is that every single person I encounter, they have their own way in the world. All of us do. We're going to get to that. But everybody has their own way in the world. The only way you can be a healthy person is knowing what your way in the world is and how you can use that in our context to move the gospel forward, in business context to lead other people. But there's that unique way part that's really important to us. And so I use a lot of personality tests and assessments. Uh, how many of you like personality tests and assessments? Any, anybody? Okay, a few of you. How many of you despise them? There's always that hand that quick, by the way. Every room I go into, that's great. Uh, yeah, so let me, let me just say this about them. You're not, today I'm not going to diagnose you as an ENT, 
F uh, blue unicorn with a six wing and some sparkles. That's not my job today, okay? I'm not going to do that. But in the same vein, I have a Bible degree and a theological degree. I also have multiple certifications and multiple personality assessments. And this is what I've learned throughout the years. Most people don't hate the tool. They hate how it's used. So if I have a hammer in my hand and I'm fixing something in my house and I'm using the hammer properly, I'm doing well, right? When I, when I move outside of that and I hit my thumb with it, I'm not using it well. Or if I try to hit somebody else with it, I'm not using it well. Personality assessments should be used for one thing and one thing only, giving you language to your way in the world. If they're used to put you in a box, if they're used to exclude you from a job, if they're used to demean you or criticize you, if they're used to be passive-aggressive against you or aggressive-aggressive against you, they're not being used well. They should give you language to what you already know, that you are unique. Your brain thinks a certain way. You feel things a certain way, and you behave a certain way, and that's all unique to you, right? The one body has many parts, and each of those individual parts are made up of very unique people. The word personality, actually, funny enough, uh, it comes from the Latin word called mask. So think of those white theater masks you use in high school or middle school, right? That's what the word personality actually means. It actually means strategic mask, which isn't bad. But when we talk about personality, uh, there's a lot of different things it can be. One of my favorite authors, he's a psychologist and a pastor. Put that on a Venn diagram and see what happens in the middle. But he, he's sitting there and he says, all personality tests, all wiring, all this can be boiled down to one phrase. Everybody here has their way that they encounter the world, that they interact with the world, and that they go through the world. We all have our way in the world. I'm going to bury the lead. The ending point I want to get you to today in our time is I want you to understand a few things. One, be aware of your way and its wake. All of our ways has, have an effect on those around us, good or bad. Two, I want you to be able to say, you know what? There's a purpose and a plan that God can use my way in. And three, I want you to find people, not like in the world and not like in the country and not like in the state, usually in your home or family environment or workplace, really close proximity influence, that you can use your purpose in your way to help move them towards Jesus. That's kind of the end goal today. Uh, so way in the world, we talk about this. When I talk about personality, a lot of people get angry at me, but I like to talk about it like this. There's two different sides of it. One, natural wiring right? The whole nature part. You were born with certain thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are unique to you. And then you showed up in the world. And along the world, uh, some things happened. Nurture happened. And when I say nurture, like I have a four-year-old right there. He's fun. He's cute. Do you know what he wanted today when I came here? He wanted a picture of the inside and outside of the building because he likes context. He likes to know where I'm at and what I'm doing so he can put it in his little four-year-old brain and go, oh, I know where dad went today, right? That's, I find that weird. Like, I think my four, he's awesome. He's a great kid. But I'm like, you, he's like, who are you going with? I'm like, Mr. Justin, well, what's it called? Fieldstone, can you send me pictures in and outside? Sure, I will. That level of detail to me, like my 17-year-old crochets. She's crocheting a poncho right now, and it's halfway down around the porch. She's been working on it a week. And my hands hurt thinking about it. I'm like, what? You're sitting out there for hours, because she loves detail. All of those are unique and different. Those are unique wiring pieces. They're, they're amoral. I joke about them, but honestly, they're amoral. I'd much rather my 17-year-old be crocheting on the front porch than a lot of things 17-year-olds can be doing. Come on. Uh, I even pay for the yarn sometimes. So we have nature, and then we have nurture. And when I say nurture, some of you in your minds are like, man, 
I'm so glad I had a great nurturing environment to grow up in. And some of you kind of put your eyes down and slump your shoulders because your nurture environment was not what it should have been. And that's part of the shaping process. That all goes in our backpack of humans. Uh, some would refer to that as trauma. Some would refer to that as nurture. Whatever you'd like to today, your family of origin, your workplace of origin, the places you've worked before, your church of origin, unless this is your first church, some of you have been to different churches before, that affects how you think, feel, and behave in this environment. All of that is nurture. And so when you take a little bit of wiring, a little bit of person, when you take a little bit of nurture, a little bit of origin, work, church, family, a little bit of caffeine, a little bit of Jesus, you have a personality. It's kind of what happens there, right? And that personality, that way in the world, is how you move through it. Some of you today are like, Bill, what the heck are we doing today? It's July 30th. I came to church. What, is it? what are we talking about today? Some of you haven't pinpointed your way, but I guarantee this. Give me five minutes with your spouse. Give me five minutes, parents, with your kid. And they can tell you your tics, your body language, your vocal changes. They can tell you. Your kids can tell you everything about when they want something from you and when they don't, when they're able to approach you and when they're not. They know what you're going to say next because the emotion coming through what you're doing. Don't believe me? Let's have a little fun. Just joking. I'm not going to do that right now. Some of you are like, wait a second. All right, Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you? Eric's a friend of mine. Eric, go blue. Go blue. All right. So, sorry, I know, I know I just offended some of you in here. Um, so let's talk about communication real quick, because you're like, Bill, how, how, can, how can people just know my way? It's really simple. It's, it's one of the ways you communicate. So communication, what percentage of communication is body language? Anybody know? Give me a number. 90, 80, good. So they say, so this is uh, behavioral scientists, all this stuff. This is what I read when I'm watching baseball at night. Like, I geek out on this stuff. They say... 10% of communication is verbal. 10% of communication is tone and timing, speed. 80% is body language. So take this for instance. Eric, Eric and I did a SQL experience refresh together. Eric's a great guy. Um, we hung out before. So I interact with Eric in the lobby, and I do this. Hey, Eric. Hey, man. Great to see you. What did I just say? What did I say? Give me the words. Not great. Not great, but more than that. Well, give me the emotion. Not important. Not important, uninterested, disdain, disgust, something like that, right? But my words said it's great to see you. It's like when you walk in your house, guys, and you're like, hey, honey, how are you? Fine. <laughs> I'm going to go back to work. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs> like, there's emotion. But if I look at Eric and I go, hey, Eric, haven't seen you in a while. Dude, it's so great to see your face. You, you remind me of some of our different experiences, and it's really good to be with you here, here today. What did I say? Yeah, right? So I said similar things, but the body language, you ever been in that environment before? What somebody's saying is incongruent with what you're feeling? That's your brain, right? It does that. So that's communication. That's our way in the world. So let me, let me pause here for a minute, and you might say, Bill, why is this important? Well, really simple. If you're aware of it, you can use it for the people around you that need it. That's the, the one body, many parts. So here's my way in the world. Let me just give you a little bit about me. Um, I like running. I'm broken that way. I'm driven, achievement-oriented, always moving, usually thinking three steps ahead. Good at communication, most of the time, don't judge me today, and planning. I'm good at getting the people together for a common goal, and I like to use self-deprecating humor. Uh, things about me. My best place, I'm selfless, joyful, 
Committed, driven, love to celebrate. I love a great party. Uh, I love new things. I like to eat at new restaurants. I like to travel. In my home, everybody likes to watch nature documentaries. I like to go and be in the nature. So there's a little difference of, of wiring there, right? So uh, extroverted to a T. Some of you introverts in the room, you're going to be overwhelmed by the end of this environment because I'm talking so fast. So just know that. Talking for me is not hard. Listening is. For some of you, you have the gift in listening. And it's hard for you to articulate your feelings. So there's a difference there, and that's good. Uh, when I'm in stress, I lack empathy, the ability to sit with somebody in something. I lack emotion and caring about other people's emotion. I get into trouble when I move too fast, run over others, get judgy, overcommitted, and work too much. That's me. One level deeper, when I'm criticized, judged, disrespected, or condemned, my family of origin trauma makes me fight, get defensive, and then withdraw. And when, I, when I'm triggered and I withdraw, if I don't have a healthy coping mechanism, I go to Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, even though the Marvel movies are horrible nowadays. Uh, so I go to those, books, food and drink, etc., and I revenge scroll. Do you all know what that is? Revenge scrolling is when at 10 o'clock at night you should be in bed, but your day's been so stressful you scroll for an hour because you just need some me time. It's called revenge scrolling. It's a fun new term. So I just told you a little bit about me. In two minutes, I gave you me. That's 10 years of therapy to be able to talk to you like that. And if I sat down with you, my question is, could you articulate that? Your highs, your lows, when stress hits, what a coping mechanism is, where you go. For most of us here, probably not. But that's our way. And we get caught in this world thinking our way is the only way. Here's the crazy thing. We move through life unaware of our pattern, behaviors, and our wake. And then we get ticked when people aren't like us. My wife is introverted. When we first got married, I wanted to go out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night with friends. She's like, I have a Jane Austen book. Get away from me. Like, we had to navigate that. I had to learn about her. She had to learn about me. And then she would give me one weekend every, one night every weekend, all right? And it would take her eight hours to recover from it. But, like, that's differences in wiring and personality. When I think my way is the right way or the best way. When I am more sinister is when I think my way is the better way. And I one-up people just a little bit. Because if they were just like me, everything would be fine, right? So early in marriage... Uh, we were, one day, my wife, it was an anniversary or something. She was a nurse. I was a youth pastor. So I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to clean the house, buy flowers, make dinner, light some candles, and we're going to have a nice romantic evening at home. All right? Ladies, how does that sound? We're in, right? We're, let's go. We're good. So I clean the house, vacuum and the wipe down thing, make dinner. I think I made like chicken parmesan. It might have been from a box, but don't worry. Like I made something, got some flowers at the local store, had everything set. She walked in the door from work. And she looks at me and goes, what is this? And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, how much time did you spend cleaning the house? How much money did you spend on dinner and flowers? What, why are you doing this? And so we had a very frank conversation right then. Uh, I asked her the question. I said, what would you prefer? What is, it, what is an evening at home for you? And she goes, well, we could be sitting on the couch holding hands she goes, no technology, no phone, no TV, no music. And she goes, we could just like be sitting there like with each other or talking or just holding each other. 
And without hesitation, my next line was, for how long? <laughs> right? Like, now neither of those are right. My response was wrong. But that's just differences in personality and wiring. What about you? Ever been in that moment with somebody where you're listening to them and like, can you just put your emotion to the side and get to the facts? Or can you just actually plan something for once and not just let things go, like adaptability-wise? Or, hey, can you give me a little bit more energy? You're pretty low. Come on, come on, come on. And you're like, I wish you were, you should be, you, all of those things. Have you been in that moment before where you think your way is the way? If everybody just did it like me. But really, that's not the way God made us. So I want to have a little fun with you. And this is going to be challenging for some of you. When I say fun, it's kind of air quotes. We're going to do interactive exercise. One that would be comfortable in schools or workplaces or anywhere other than church where sometimes we just sit and listen to somebody. But it's summer. I'm a guest speaker. Justin's not in here right now, so we're good to go. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you two questions, and I'm going to have you get in groups and talk about them. And these questions revolve around two things. One, what is the most... Oh, that's it. Sorry. All right. Where to go? Come on. Energizing thing you've done this week. I want you in your group to share what was the thing that brought you the most life and energy this week. Students, there's some of you in here. I did student ministries for 15 years. You don't have to be in a group with your parents. Just want everybody to know. You can move around to a different group if you want. Totally fine. Uh, one, what's the most energizing thing you've done this week? And it can't be sleeping. Thank you. Uh, two, second question I have you do is what is something you lose track of time doing? What is something you get so enthralled in that you just keep going and the clock doesn't matter? Okay? Most energizing thing you've done something you lost track of time doing. I want you in groups of four or five. Turn your chairs, get up, move around. It'll be fun. And the introverts, you can forgive me later. All right? We'll be back in five minutes. On your mark and set, go.
All right, I'm going to give you two minutes, two minutes. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. We'll give you 30 seconds. All right, so I want to have one more little exercise for you. This one's going to take a little bit of physical movement, all right? So uh, this one's a stand-up or sit-down. So as you're sitting in groups and talking, what you're doing right now is you're learning that other people are energized by other things. One lady last night at service said she was energized by sewing. I said, not putting people to sleep, energized. She was energized by sewing. That would not be for me. Another person said, uh, going out and hanging out with friends. Some of you are like, man, if I can only hang out with specific people at specific times the right people, right? So everybody gets energized by different things. But I want to show you just another kind of part of how we are all very different is I want to do this. Uh, and this is going to be fun if you like a little bit of variety. So if this slide describes you, I want you to stand up, all right? So stretch a little bit. If you can't stand up, raise your hand. Uh, stand up if you always. Always is a general term. We'll say 80%. Uh, talk to people in elevators, airplanes, grocery stores, or wherever you go. Stand up. That explains a lot. All right? All right, good. Thank you. All right. So stand up if you... Oh, come on. There you go. Hate it when people talk to you in elevators, planes. Ma'am, ma you were married to the man who just... Okay, awesome. Great. Okay, so that bothers you. Good, good. I'm glad I'm here today for you. Uh, all right. Hey, stand up if you have a color-coded or otherwise organized closet. All right. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Stand up if you occasionally hang clothing in your closet. One step above the ground. There you go. You look good today. All right. Good. All right. Uh, stand up if you make a list of things to do and stick to it. Ooh, this is the organized introverted service. I love it. All right. So this is going to be fun. We're going to go different levels here on this one. Uh, what if you make a list of things to do even when you're not at work? Okay, pause. Stay, stay, stay. Stay standing if you have a list, but when you do other things throughout the day, you add it to the list just so you can cross it off. <laughs> All right, we got a few. Good. All right, I like that. That's good. All right. Uh, what about driving? Stand up if you have to find ways around roadblocks. Like, you can't be stuck in traffic. 
All right, that was real. Okay, some of you are like, yeah. I will take two extra minutes out of my way to drive three miles to not be stopped. Yeah, that's me. Okay, good. Uh, how many of you have to clean the house before you relax? Okay, yep, all right. What about, uh, how many of you have to relax by avoiding cleaning the house? This family back here is a dichotomy. I'm just watching them. This is, all right. I have to clean the room I'm in. If I can do no visual clutter, it does not matter what's in a different room, as long as anything between me and the TV is clean. Uh, all right. How many of you get uncomfortable when people ask you too many questions? You guys are like, I'm never coming here again. Uh, all right, good. Last one, push the elevator button to remind the elevator that you're there because it might have forgot. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, you got that. All right, so go ahead and sit down. So here's the key. Here's the key. All of those are personality and wiring differences. They are amoral. They are not negative or positive. They just are. Part of the whole body, individual parts that all have different ways they view things, different ways they experience life, different ways they experience emotion, different ways they plan and structure their day, different ways they deal with, with making decisions. All of that is not positive or negative. It just is. That's unique wiring. That's unique gifting. So the tension really simply is this. We do this in extremes in our culture. We either demonize a certain personality or a certain wiring. Oh, nobody should ever be like that. Or we devalue our own. Well, I'm just really not that gifted. I'm really not that unique. I don't have a lot to offer. We go back and forth in this polar opposite thing of, I'm not good enough. They're the wrong. Or we put people up on a pedestal and go, well, if everybody was just that. We just get in this weird mode of always focusing on the negative instead of focusing on how God's made us. The consequence of this really simply is relationship. You can't be in a deep relationship with somebody if you're always trying to correct them or change them. You can either be right or be in relationship. It's really simple. But if you're always trying to change, criticize, judge, or move somebody to something that would be more like you, that relationship isn't going to do well. Anybody here enjoy being criticized? It's not fun. I know with my kids, like I said earlier, my 14-year-old wants to drive with the top down in the Jeep, drinking a boba tea with loud music on, hair in the wind, talking, and going shopping. That's my 14-year-old. My 17-year-old wants the windows up, lo-fi on, a deep conversation for a limited amount of time before she can go back and crochet. If I tried to treat them the same way, how would that work? I would have no relationship with either of them. And I know my way to know that I have to tone myself down with one of my kids. And I'm allowed, and I can kind of ramp myself up with another kid. And we don't always have to adapt to everything in our environment. But the consequence of not knowing our way and not being aware of other people's way is that we can just run over people. And then we get really frustrated and resentful because people aren't responding or things aren't going well. We miss out on being a person of peace. We miss out on having deep relationships. We miss out on what God has for us. Ever been there? So here's what God says about it. By the way, in Scripture, I looked. Scripture doesn't talk about Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, strengths, emotional intelligence, disc, or five-factor. Scripture doesn't talk about personality tests, right? It doesn't work that way. But God does say this. Oh, I got to fast forward through, so sorry. My fault. 
Please excuse my slides that I didn't use. Okay, so the Bible says this straight up. God created man in his own image. In his own created image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. A.K.A., God made you. Newsflash, he didn't make a mistake. He made you in his image. He wired you and designed you uniquely to play a purpose in this world. We jump over to Psalms. And I know I'm cherry-picking here. I get it. Uh, so this is a beautiful verse here because it hits two sides of what we're talking about today. You created me in my inmost being, right? You knit me together. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Read, God, thank you for making me so unique. Next part. Now that you've made me unique, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me. God, you made me. You know my way in this world. I'm going to keep coming back to you to make sure that's aligned with you. I'm not going to say things like, well, this is just who I am. I'm just stuck in my ways. I can't change. I'm going to keep going back to you, Jesus, to see if there's anything in my life I need to change. Because you made me. You created me. You have a purpose for me. So I'm going to keep seeing if I'm on track. Consistent feedback. Why? Why do we need consistent feedback in our lives? Really simply, Ephesians 2.10. God made us, were his workmanship, that he prepared beforehand for good works. And 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. God, you made me. I'm going to keep going back to you for feedback on the way I'm made and the things I pick up along life, whether you want me to keep that or toss that away because I want to be used by you to impact others. Our way in the world can have an impact. My big thought today, honestly, you have a way. We talked about that. As I wrap up, it's simple. It's impacted by a hundred different things in your life. But here's the key. Your way in the world can have a huge impact. The way you are wired, your personality, your family of origin, your church of origin, your workplace of origin, all of your experiences can have a huge impact. The deciding factor is on you whether you want that to be a positive or a negative impact. You can have an impact on your kids where you build relationship and legacy and safety and vulnerability, or you can build a relationship with your kids where they know when your tone of voice gets to that level, you're just trying to get them to be like you. You can interact with your coworker in a way that's loving and graceful and interactive, even though they're so different than you. Or you can gain a reputation at work of being closed-minded. Like, we have the ability to use our way to make an impact in whichever way we choose. Good or bad, positive or negative, for or against people, moving people towards Jesus or putting up walls, the choice is ours. So what do we do? We have a way. First thing we need to do is really simple. We need to get aware of what our way is. We need to build self-awareness. Self-awareness looks like this, asking somebody close to you, hey, uh, what's one thing I do that bugs you? What's one thing I do that you love? It's parents walking up to your kid and going, hey, what's one thing you really enjoy and one thing you wish I would change? Now, we don't have to use every ounce of feedback, but we can get it. When we ask feedback, it means we're curious and we're humble. And when we enter into that posture, we can see if our way, our patterns of behavior that we've built over time, if we want to keep them or change them. I had a job one time where I sent a 360 review to eight employees. It was a church, so it was a, a faith-based environment. And the, the 360 review was really, really complicated. It said, what's one thing I like? What's one thing you like that I do? What's one thing you wish I would change? 
every employee on their own filled out the one thing they wish I would change is that every time they would come and talk to me, I would try to fix their problems instead of listening. I didn't know that. I literally read the emails and I had a team meeting because I thought they had conspired. Like, I wasn't joking. It was all so similar. And they were like, no. And it was the same thing all of them told me. And so now I've learned. Listen, don't fix. Right? But that's because I asked for feedback. Uh, You have to be humble, curious, learn about yourself. Learn about yourself from the perspective of others. A great question for people is this. What is your experience of me? What is your experience of me? And then close the mouth, open the ears, and listen. doesn't matter where you're at in life. That's a great curious posture. Two, once you're aware, you need to find a purpose. Um, By the way, every wiring doesn't fit in every job. Uh, I had a job for three days where I was a data input analyst. I can't even say it. I just sit at a computer and input data. I like people. I don't like computers, right? Lasted three days. But I was also the first ever backroom boy at the Dairy Queen in Lincoln Park, Michigan, to make it from backroom boy to front window because I could sell my way out of everything with people. Every job is different. Every environment's different. Your wiring is different. Find a place where God has aligned your purpose and your wiring and win. That's where you get to win. How can it be used right now in your world? Find your purpose. Get some self-awareness. And the last thing is this. Invest in people. I'm not talking about the United States. I'm not talking about Michigan. I'm not talking about this county. I'm I'm talking about the circle of influence you have. Close friends, spouse, kids, immediate family, neighbors. Find people to be yourself, the way God made you, the wiring and the way he's put you together to invest in those people. Because if you do, you will make an impact for the kingdom that you didn't even know was possible. Whether you are high-energy introvert, low-energy extrovert, whether you are a logical side of your brain or an emotional side of your brain, whether you're a planner or you're adaptive, it doesn't matter. There are people in this world that need you the way you are. I scare 60% of the population when I talk. Fully aware of it. Some of you can move into those spaces and share the love of Jesus. So, you all have a way. Let's be aware of it. Find your purpose where you can make an impact and find the people that you can influence. If you do that, we go from this one body, many parts, and make a massive impact. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you for their hearts and their minds and the way you've put them together. God, I ask you to give them grace as they ask for feedback and get curious and find purpose and meaning and and look for influence with people. God, you have a plan for them, every single one of them. I ask you just to bring the courage into their hearts and the strength to ask the tough questions and then to run passionately after you as you lead them. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, great to be with you today. Uh, Happy Sunday. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you back here next week for week three and going out in the lobby. Have a great day.